And welcome to the other side of midnight. I'm going to be your host for the night. My name's Keith Morgan, and I'm the discoverer of the Morgan Curve on Mars. And I'm also normally Richard's sound engineer and computer tech. But tonight I'm hosting the show because Rich is in high winds and his power got knocked out just before we came to air. So I had to make some changes and I am stepping in because I said that I was going to do as much as I could to make sure that you guys got a live show every night. Uh, so I'm here. We're going to have a great talk because we're going to talk about this whole thing that's dealing with this uh, alleged congressional hearing on UFOs or UAPs, as they want to call them now. Um, I don't know if you guys know it, but J. Allen Hynek is the one that actually coined the term UFOs and the, uh, set up the categories for the close encounters of the first kind, second kind, third kind, fourth kind, and fifth kind. Um, but we're going to be talking about how this hearing went. Ooh, I got some stuff to talk about with that. You know, it's like they were talking loud and saying nothing as far as I'm concerned. Now, our, our uh, guest for tonight, uh, Daniel Sheenan, uh, he's a Harvard lawyer, or a graduate lawyer. Uh, he's been involved with some very famous cases like Watergate, United States versus uh, G. Gordon Liddy. Uh, and the Karen Silkwood um, incident where these co this corporation company radiated her and exposed her to toxic chemicals and all kinds of stuff. And if you ever saw the, the uh, movie Silkwood, um, that is the history of how they treat people when you don't know what's going on. And they do this stuff behind our backs all the time. And they think they can get away with it because they think nobody's looking. Anyway, Daniel Sheehan, is, um, he's in my hero list along with Stephen Bassett, which I hope we can get a hold of him in the third hour because he's, he's involved in some things right now. But um, these guys have been fighting for our rights behind the scenes for the longest time. And you guys have no idea. And... Um, uh, that's why we're going to cover this tonight, so so he can talk about the stuff that you don't know about. We're also going to have Barbara Honig on. And Barbara, uh, she's been up in the upper echelons of um, you know, the presidential um, side of things. Uh, she probably had a higher security clearance than I did, and I had White House clearance and Capitol Gallery pass and D.C. police pass, but she's been in the uh, upper echelon, so she's got a lot to talk about. And then we have Ron Gerbron, and Ron, he's in my category, tarot category, too, along with Barbara, um, because people who have put a lot of time and effort in to help get the message out about what has actually been going on and how we've been having the wool pulled over our eyes and most people are like oh that's just you know it's just conspiracy theory no working at abc i got to see a whole lot of stuff that you guys never got to see and i kept going why isn't this stuff national so let me stop running my mouth because I want to give them as much time to tell their stories and, and give us insight into what's going on with this uh, alleged congressional hearing. I think Stephen Bassett's uh, congressional hearing or the um, Stephen Bassett's uh, congressional hearing, the one that they they put together, which was a trial mock version. I think it did better than these guys did in this one. But um, okay, I'm gonna get straight to the to the uh, goody goody stuff here. Now, Richard had some stuff posted. He normally talks about um, he normally talks about Webb, and Webb is a telescope that they put up that's got a really good look at everything, and it kind of supposed to put uh, Hubble to shame. And they've got it calibrated, it's looking good, and it's getting ready to really do its look down into the deep shadows of space. Um, 
And we're definitely going to talk about the congressional hearings. Uh, and if you're looking under Richard's stuff, if you go to the other side of midnight.com and you click on tonight's banner and you go there and click on the fast links for Richard's stuff, then you'll see the things about web and there's a link to congressional hearing that uh, actually Barbara uh, gave to me to put under Richard's stuff. And that's actually C-SPAN that did that uh, because there was a uh, YouTube um, playback of it. And I think I liked the uh, C-SPAN version of it better. Uh, and then there's um, a section that's uh, in the fourth item that Richard has where they... They took a section out of the congressional hearing and they're talking about the fighter jet where the pilot was shooting a camera out the side of his cockpit and then he tilted forward looking at a 45 degree angle out of his cockpit and then all of a sudden this white dot just shoots by his plane like he's standing still and I'm pretty sure we were looking forward and not back of the plane because this congressman says, well, the jet was going pretty quick this one way and this thing was probably sitting still or going slow and the jet passed it. Uh, I don't think that's what they were looking at. Anyway, uh, there's a link for that footage as well. And Rich was going to talk about that because he thought it was uh he had some more details. Richard has more details about this hearing because he says they're talking Capitol Hill speak. And in other words, they're talking in some kind of um, political language that the average person will get a headache trying to figure out. OK. And, and as much as I know, I'm sitting there and it still sounded like blah, 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 blah. OK. And the things that they asked, we're going to get into it, but I'm just giving uh, trying to go through Richard's items really quick. And then uh, item Richard's item number five is their doorway that uh, the rover shot. They've come to the conclusion that, oh, no, this is just a natural fracture in the rocks and it's opened up with this kind of pathway that looks like it leads into this uh, little slur short plateau here. So don't know. Um, we can't send somebody over there to walk in and look with a flashlight or anything. So we have to kind of take it with a grain of salt and move on. So that's Richard's items, me scooting through them really quickly. But you, if you click on the items, you can go to the websites, look at the videos, um, and come to your own conclusions. Mm -hmm. So let me get into um, let me get into um, our first guest, Daniel Sheehan. Um, and let me bring him on. Hi, Daniel. Hi, hi, Keith. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't like reading the bios because they're right there for everybody to go to when they go to fast links, and they can read them for themselves. And I want to try to give you guys a lot more time to talk about the things that uh, we need to really talk about. Um, I, I attended the uh, observation deck where you and Steven, Stephen Bassett and the others were uh, talking about the UFOs and things like that, UAPs, whatever you want to call them. And um, I found it was, you know, it was a, a nice thing. And now I understand why uh, uh, Zuckerberg wants to change Facebook to Metaverse because these avatars and everything that we were moving around in our little uh, virtual space. Um, I think that's where he wants Facebook to go to that same type of level of uh, people creating their avatars and seeing face to face their avatars and talking and so forth. But anyway, Keith, Keith are we going to get to the hearings here? Uh, yeah, this is kind of wandering all over the place here. Uh, yeah. I thought we got here to talk about the hearings. Yeah, we are. Mom, excuse me. 
Okay, uh, Danny, um, what was your take on these hearings? Because I've got a lot to talk about with the, how these guys handled this whole thing. But what was your take? Well, I think that the, the most important thing to keep in mind is that, that there was a hearing at all that uh, it's been absolutely clear that for for 40 years, you know, there's been an absolute refusal on the part of the members of Congress to give any attention to this at all. Uh, and, and so that, you know, they're, they're having a public uh, hearing about this was, uh, it was a very major step forward to begin with, number one. Uh, I think the second major issue to keep in mind is the fact that uh, that Adam Schiff, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, was there, even though this was a subcommittee hearing that was called by Andre Carson, who was the head of the subcommittee. Uh, that uh, so that's the fact that Schiff was there, uh, who is a very major player in the dynamic that's going on with regard to the Democratic Party and what positions they're going to be taking uh, on issues that relate to intelligence and, uh, and public policies, uh, ranging all the way from the January 6th events to the impeachments of, uh, of Trump to this thing, that he is a very major national uh, person. And so for him to be there at the hearings and to po be posing questions to the people that were presented is a second very positive thing. Uh, now, a third thing to keep in mind is that the fact that this hearing was scheduled and convened on Tuesday, May 17th, what you may have noticed, one of the things that happened during the course of the meeting is that when, uh, when Scott Bray, uh, Scott Bray and Ronald Mortier uh, uh, were, the, were, were the only people presented by, the, by the, the executive branch. And Scott Bray is the deputy director of U.S. Naval Intelligence. Uh, and uh, Ronald Moultrie is the undersecretary of defense for intelligence. And the fact of the matter is neither one of them knew anything at all about U UAPs or UFOs. That was clear. Uh, so the, the, one of the, the major shortfalls of the, of the hearing is that the people that were presented on behalf of the government didn't know anything about the basic subject of the, of the hearing. Uh, and so what they did is they spent all of their time over and over again just simply talking about the fact that nothing more was being done by the Defense Department other than agreeing to respond to a, a provision of the National Defense Authorization Act that had been that had been passed by Congress back in December of 2021, and that as of the convening of that hearing, before the convening of the hearing, they the the members of Congress had not uh, the mil United States military and the Defense Department and the executive branch had not even appointed a director to be the director of the new uh, project that was ordered. Uh, Senator Gillibrand from New York uh, and Senator Rubio uh, from Florida and uh, Congressman Gallego from Arizona all joined together and inserted into the National Defense Authorization Act of, 19, of 2022 that they insisted there be an office opened in the United States Defense Department uh, dealing with UFOs. And up to the beginning of the hearing, as of Monday, the the executive branch hadn't even appointed a director. Uh, and so that they they made the kind of surprise announcement there on Tuesday that, oh, by the way, uh, we have appointed, you know, Sean Kirkpatrick to be the head of uh, this new agency. Now, I, because as the audience may know, I, I legally represent Lou Elizondo and Lou Elizondo uh, had been the head of the ATIP program, the Advanced Aerospace uh, uh, Project that was to investigate the potential threat qualities of the UFO phenomenon. And, uh, and Lou, Lou uh, has been trying to get people to get appointed to this new committee uh, since December. Uh, and the only person that was on the staff of this committee that was ordered by Congress you know, six months ago, basically, was Lou's assistant in the ATIP program, Matt, 
you know, I've talked with Matt at some length. He was extraordinarily frustrated uh, over the fact that nobody in the executive branch was doing anything in response to the to the mandate from Congress to set up this this uh, this office. Uh, and so that the the third good thing that's happened in this thing, other than the fact that there was such a hearing and the fact that uh, Adam Schiff came to the hearing, who was the chairman of the Intelligence Committee of the, of the House, the third thing was that it, it forced the appointment of a director uh, of the project. So now there's a director on board, uh, but that's that's about all you can say. Uh, and that these, these guys, Scott Bray and Ronald Moultrie, while extremely intelligent, extremely articulate, all they kept saying over and over and over and over and over again is that this this agency, this new office, was going to set up a set of standard protocols uh, governing the reporting of contact you know, with any UFOs by any military people. Uh, and they basically didn't know anything more than having done a cursory reading of the, the report that had been filed a year ago. Uh, by the executive branch and the director of national intelligence about the UFO issue. These guys were not read in. They didn't know anything about the issue. Actually, one of the, one of the members of the House asked them what they knew about Roswell. Mm -hmm. And they both looked at each other and almost like they didn't know what they were even talking about. Say, well, mm -hmm. We don't have any information whatsoever about Roswell. Which sort of puts it in, in context. And one so of them was they, they there that they were saying I there's didn't. nothing was being said other than the fact that the that the uh, the uh, the uh, office now had a director and that the office was going to be charged with putting together a standard protocol for reporting. That's all that basically came out of the meeting. I I know that um, one of the one of them they were asked. Uh, was there any other projects before Project Blue Book or any studies before that? And no, after that. I mean, they said after that. Between when From the time Blue Book was closed, has there been any activity undertaken by the executive branch to investigate UFOs? They right. were asked. He asked, he said after, but he also said, were there any before as well? And all he could say is, uh, we don't have that information. There was Project Sign and Project Grudge before sure. Blue Book. Sure. And sure. I'm like, if you don't know that, then you're in, you're in trouble. You can't see the future if you don't look at the past. Well, it's, it's, not, it's not a matter. It's that those two men that were there were not really responsible for the program. Mm. They're, they're, they're not informed, as I've said. They're, they weren't informed. They didn't know anything about anything. They haven't been briefed in. Uh, the, the real question is, why is it that those were the two people that were put up by the, uh, by the executive branch to respond to the, 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 the congressional members' questions? And why is it that the, that the committee, the intelligence committee, tolerated having somebody sent to their hearing who didn't know anything? You know, that's Daniel? an important question. Uh, Ron, you have Hello? a question? Go ahead, Ron. I have more than a question. Uh, is that, uh, first off, who attended the classified briefing, both uh, this time and the previous time? Was it the same bunch of senators and congresspeople? Well, it was this, the, the people that attended the closed-door uh, a classified hearing that followed the Tuesday morning hearing that came that convened at twelve o'clock were the same members of Congress that were there in the public meeting. And what okay. do you think they talked about? There was there was supposed to talk about stuff that's supposed to be classified about how they collected this data, how they were monitoring these things. But that is classified because they don't want the technology to be known or the procedures of how they do this stuff. Right. That's right. Yeah, there, there were there were about four or five different uh, questions that were asked that uh, that they said that we can't discuss that here in the public hearing that we, we have to we have to discuss. We, we have to discuss that in a closed door hearing that will follow. Uh, and there were there were like three, four or five times they said that. And it almost all had to do with the means by which we were able, uh, the, the executive branch was able 
to detect the existence of UFOs uh, and to confirm that they were real. Uh, and it just it happened over and over again, and that was always the issue that came up. We don't want to disclose the means that we have by means of which we can detect the presence of UFOs. And that was basically every single time that issue came up, they would say, we've got to talk about that in closed session. Now, the fact is, I know how the, what the means are that they have. Lots of people know what the means are that they have. Mm-hmm. It's not as though it's some great secret. Uh, you know, but, but the, the bottom line is that the bottom line to say over and over again is that, that Scott Bray and Ronald Moultrie were not briefed in, did not know anything about the substance of the issues, didn't know anything other than what, in fact, they were that the the uh, the new office was charged with doing, which is developing a common protocol for military uh, reports about contacts with UFOs. That's all that was said over and over and over again. Do you know uh, if anybody else besides those guys uh, attended the the other part of the briefing? This, this I don't briefing. believe anybody else did. Those are the only two people that the executive branch sent up over to the Hill to respond. And then to me, that was a waste of time. That was the worst waste of time that you could do with the Congress at that point. If you send people in that don't know the history of this whole phenomenon, you wasted your time. And if and well, there's a whole bunch of stuff they could have talked about that wasn't classified. Well, the thing that's interesting, the thing that's interesting really is the, the, the fourth thing that was interesting about the hearing was the nature of the questions that were asked by the members of Congress. That it was quite clear that those were questions that are not questions that the executive branch would have wanted put to the people they sent. Uh, those were those were kind of genuine questions that those members of Congress asked. They were things that, that regular intelligent people would want to ask about this. Now, it wasn't all the questions and it wasn't the most sophisticated questions, but it, it definitely struck me uh, that these were not questions that were planted by the executive branch with those mem- members of Congress, which is often the case. Often the case of a public hearing uh, in Washington uh, is, is, is entirely choreographed. And the, the questions are all pre-designed. The answers are all pre-designed. Uh, and they're explicitly designed to give the impression that something is being revealed, that nothing, in fact, is being revealed. But that isn't what was going on here, that there were genuine questions that were being asked by the members, uh, but there were no answers coming forward from, uh, from either Scott Bray or Ronald Moultrie. They weren't saying anything except that one thing over and over and over again, which was what was the charge that was given to this new committee? And you could have told that by simply reading the National Defense Authorization Act that created created the office. Hey, in other words, in other words, they had uh, public questions that had been passed on to their congressmen to ask, and instead of the usual dog and pony show, uh, they were faced with that, and they probably knew that was happening, you know, ahead of time. The executive branch, if you want to bunch things up that way, yeah, yeah, they, they, uh, and and they so they were ready for it because those two guys have the clearances necessary to know the answers to those questions. No, no, they, no, no, that's not true. That's not really. True. They those two guys. The, 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 one of the things that Lou had discovered, and Chris Mellon has discovered, and all the time they've spent looking into this is that there are extremely high-level cleared people in the in the Defense Department that don't know anything about this subject, uh, even though you would think they did. Uh, because well, that's what I was getting to. Yeah. I meant they have clearances, but they, they have never been briefed on those things yes, that they were being asked about. No, they, they, there was no danger that either one of them was going to answer a question that was a genuine question from the congressman, several of the questions of which were genuine questions. There wasn't any danger that they were going to answer them and give up information because they didn't have the slightest idea. They, they didn't, they, again, I emphasize, they didn't even know anything about Roswell. Not a thing about Roswell. Well, Daniel, I be heard. It's Barb. Pardon? Can I be heard? Sure. Yes, yes we can hear you. Yeah, I just like to uh, to give a perfect example of what Danny just said. Um, people assume that if you've got a top secret code clearance, that you're uh, able to be read into this whole area, and that's absolutely not true. 
there was a perfect example in the hearing itself by Representative Gallagher. Uh, Re- he's a Republican from Illinois, as I recall. Anyway, Representative Gallagher, um, he asked a very important question. He asked both of the witnesses um, with their high-level clearances, right, um, if they were aware of something called the Admiral Wilson Memo, which is also called the EW Notes Memo. EW stands for Electronic Warfare. Okay, and electronic warfare is about basically spoofing uh, an enemy um, to make your ship or your aircraft, your fighter jet, whatever, appear to be something it isn't on your adversary or enemy's radar uh, or even uh, sometimes in their cameras. And that's what electronic warfare is about. Well... He asked if either of them, either of the witnesses with their high-level clearances, knew about the Admiral Wilson EW Notes memo. And they both said that they didn't. Uh, And then, interestingly, Representative Gallagher, um, and he can be thanked for that, he held it up. And he said, uh, without objection, um, uh, Mr. Chairman, I would like to, uh, you know, submit this for the record. And I expected one of those two witnesses to object, but they didn't. So it's in the the record. And it turns out that this Admiral Wilson E.W. Notes memo is the gist of it, is that the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency himself, without saying which one, because I haven't read the memo, maybe Danny has read it, but I haven't been able to get it yet, but that the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency, which is over all of the individual military uh, services uh, intelligence uh, service uh, departments, um, was denied access to this very uh, level of classification. The head of DIA. Okay? That's right. That's right. Wow. And not only that, but shortly before he was assassinated, President Kennedy was uh, trying to get... Um, uh, to get briefed on all of this, and he was denied. He was denied in writing by the head of the CIA. Yeah, just, just as President Carter was by by uh, by Bush when he right. was the director of Central Intelligence. They fly out. so that the the to send to send to the hearing two guys who had fairly, very high levels of classification to give the impression that there were really men of substance and knowledge that were being presented. It was a complete uh, fraud. You know, these guys didn't know anything. They And, and I believe they genuinely didn't know about about the, the Admiral Wilson memo. Uh, they did, I think that it was a classic sending witnesses up who don't know anything so they can't divulge anything. Exactly. Even in classified section, they wouldn't yes. be able to divulge anything yeah, of, of importance. Yeah, they clearly didn't know anything about the subject. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay, guys, we're uh, we're kind of approaching uh, the bottom of the hour break. Um, when we come back, uh, I, I like to talk about some of the things that. Um, that we should we know about, but I, I obviously they didn't know about it. If they didn't know about Roswell, they probably didn't know about the other things that we're going to bring up. But um, yeah, they were talking loud and saying nothing. As far as I was concerned, they they didn't know what they were talking about. Uh, some of the good questions that were asked by a couple of the congressmen that I said that you know they got their stuff together, and these guys just dropped the ball because. They're the patsies. They were supposed to take the fall. They didn't know what was going on. Um, you know, Keith, when we come back from the break, I really mm-hmm. think you ought to let your guests speak to the subject of tonight first, okay. which is hearings, because I haven't been able to give what I'd like to, and I know Danny wants probably wants to okay. mention something else. All right. So when we come back, um, since Barb didn't talk too much, um, we'll, we'll start with you, Barb, okay? Yeah. All right. Okay. So you're listening to The Other Side of Midnight. Um, my guests tonight are Danny Sheehan, uh, Barbara Honiger, and uh, Ron Gerbron. And we'll be right back after this break. Thank you. 
it's funny because I think, you know, I went through my crazy phase where I made mistakes before the internet and before social media and before any of this. Whereas now you can't do that. There's no such thing. So like you're saying about black and white and what it does is it stops people expressing themselves. People are too frightened. It's like, you know, I want to say something, but if, what if I use the wrong term? But I remember a story a couple of years ago where Benedict Cumberbatch, who at the time was a darling in the media's eyes, was complaining about the disparity between the treatment of um, black actors and of white actors. And, and he was sticking up and saying, you know, they're not getting paid as well. They're not getting the jobs that they should be getting. And they're being, there is no equality. But what he said was, there isn't equality for colored actors. Well, you've said colored there, Benedict. You can't do that. And so they went for him and he was vilified and he had to come out and do a big apology. Now what it was, it was, it was a slip of the tongue. He's obviously not racist. He's actively trying to say that there is discrimination and he's trying to stick up for that community, but he was vilified and attacked. And that's what happens now. And so when people make their mistakes now, they make their mistakes on the internet. They make their mistakes on social media where they're screenshotted forever. And so I think that's all part of the conditioning that people are frightened. You know, if you're in a position where I don't know what to say, I don't know what to say, in the end you'll go, well, I won't say anything then. The fallout of this is going to be extraordinary with that because people don't realize, you know, when you, 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 you're phoning up the police and grassing on your neighbors and when all this ends, they're still going to be your neighbors and you're still going to have to live next door to them. And good luck with that. Hello everyone, my name's Gareth Ike. It's been a pleasure to talk on the other side of the news. Fantastic conversation with Kinthea, Timothy and Annetta. And I wish you all the best with a fantastic podcast. And welcome back to the other side of midnight. Um, we kind of left off with uh, Daniel and Barbara was giving us some interesting information. So, uh, Barbara, um, would you like to pick up where you left off? Okay. Um, can I be heard still? Yeah, we, you're okay. on. Okay. I never know if I'm <laughs> muted or not because I don't think I'm able to unmute myself. Okay, so what I'd like to do is very quickly go over my items. So um, for anybody who's not familiar with the system here, um, you go to the show page for tonight, the other side of midnight, and then not very far down, well, let's see, um, yeah, right right under um, where it says, uh, you know, how to, how to listen to the show, then it says fast links. And under Fast Links, if you click on my name, Barbara, and then that will go directly. That'll automatically scroll down to where I'm going to start. Um, I want to go to number two first. Because one of the big takeaways from this uh, hearing on Tuesday, last Tuesday for me, was the fact that it was revealed that this new office is under the direction of the Navy. Now, I think that's very important mm -hmm. uh, because these, um, I work for the Navy, as you may remember. This is in my bio. Um, scroll down further in my items and you'll see my bio. I was a senior military affairs journalist at the Naval Postgraduate School for 16 years. And um, this is, the, the Naval Postgraduate School is a very interesting institution. It's here in Monterey, California. And it is uh, built by the Defense Department itself as uh, the premier science, technology, and national security affairs graduate research university of the Pentagon, of the Department of Defense. And I was a senior military affairs journalist there. So for 16 years, I interacted with very, very, very high-level people in the, not only the Navy, um, but mid-career uh, officers as well as VIPs who came all the way from 
I've interviewed the director of national and the director of naval intelligence. I interviewed General Aberhart, who was head of NORAD on 9/11 and after, before on and after 9/11, and um, the Secretary of Defense, the Secretary of the Navy, etc. So, um, I have I have this background based upon which I'm about to tell you this. So. Um, one of the things that really um, kind of surprised me, uh, pleasantly actually, was that this new office is going to be under the Navy, uh, the direction of the Navy. And um, that's probably partially because the leaks to the New York Times back in, what was it, 2017, wasn't it? 2017. Uh, 2017. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those were those were leaks by the Navy or uh, to the New York Times. Those videos um, of the TikTok and and such. So, and then it was also revealed in the hearings on last Tuesday that the Navy has had its own UAP office since 2020. So this is 2022, um, and now um, the new office that is. DOD wide under, I also found this interesting, um, directly under the office of the Secretary of Defense uh, is headed by the Navy. Okay, that's number one. Um, the other big take, the second big takeaway for me was the fact that both of the witnesses with their high level clearances, both of the witnesses were asked explicitly uh, if they had anything in their database about the critical Maelstrom Air Force Base uh, example of a glowing red orb uh, over the Maelstrom Air Force Base uh, over 10 missile silos, ICBM missile silos, um, and this was during the Cold War, and um, and they said, no, no, we don't have anything about that in our in our database. Well, I find that fascinating because that's basically an Air Force slash Marine operation. Marines are technically part of the Navy in peacetime, although they like to think of themselves as separate from the Navy. They're not, they're not really. Um, but I found that fascinating that this new office is being headed by the Navy, but we're told that they don't have any information in their database that they're aware of anyway, these two witnesses, um, about the most critical uh, information uh, of um, genuine apparent threats um, to our national security. Um, So number two in my items is a book that every single person in on the planet should read. It's called UFOs and Nukes, Extraordinary Encounters at U.S. and Foreign Nuclear Weapon Sites. Um, and it's by Robert Hastings, who's the world's foremost researcher on the subject of UFO activity at nuclear weapon sites. Okay. And this book, I have it in my hand. This book is over 550 pages long. I have read this book. And every single page of this book should have been being discussed in these hearings. And yet we're told that every single thing in this book, effectively, is not part of and probably won't be part of the database of this Navy-headed new office. I find that shocking, frankly. Barbara? Yeah. Barbara? Uh, yeah, thir- 20 seconds here. Uh, the uh, it's There was an article posted just today on space.com. It was just a few hours ago, so it was, you know, it was couldn't end up on the on the show page but it was a it was a rundown about the hearings and they have a nice still photograph which everybody asked for of that hypersonic uh uap that went zipping by a plane so that you can see what it actually looks like and it was like a sphere but the um yeah the uh the point is they had uh they mentioned the maelstrom thing and they said the alleged and uh meddling with i forget the Phrasing, uh, tampering uh, with uh, nuclear, nuclear tam- tampering with missiles. Yeah, and uh, I thought, okay, they're they're mutating the narrative slightly here because people noticed that they wouldn't. Uh, they claimed to not know anything about it at the hearing, so I was saying alleged. So anyway, go well, back to what you're saying. I think it's relevant. About it, no, they said that it wasn't in their database. Right, mm-hmm. uh, Barbara, uh, da- Daniel, are 
either one of you familiar that the Navy filed a patent for an electropropulsion system that lets you fly thousands of miles an hour, not only through the air, but under the water and make 90 degree right angle turns at full speed because it negates inertia. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. When was that? That that they patented that like back in 2018 or 2019. And. Mm -hmm. That's when they hold, they let the cat out the bag about, oh, yeah, these videos are real because when they got anonymously released, they nobody said anything until suddenly the Navy comes up years later and goes, oh, yeah, by the way, here's the real videos. And yes, they are real. Right. A and they filed this right. patent for this electric propulsion system that negates inertia and and. That's why well, they're in discharge of all of this, because they're not the Air Force, but it's the Navy that's filing this patent. The, Danny, the military... Danny, the mil are you aware of that patent, Danny? No, it seems a little bizarre to me. I mean, the Navy, the, the Navy isn't going to seek a public patent for a classified uh, technology. Oh, like it's, it's out there. Well, the, the military and the triple, uh, uh, the alphabet agencies can actually file for patents with looser restrictions than we get. You know, if you go to file a patent on your thing, you have to be able to demonstrate that it conceivably works and stuff. And they don't have to do that. They can do preemptive patents. So sometimes you, some of the stuff might even be phony. Like they put, they, they issue a, they get a patent issued for something that actually doesn't work or is, you know, very theoretical just so that the their adversaries <laughs> will say, holy cow, they got something like this, and they'll waste a lot of time and resources on it. So it's, that's, yeah, you it, you got to be careful with that. The, the patent office has different rules for the government agencies than for the civilians. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. we, we, don't, we don't know, but there is a patent number, and it does exist, mm -hmm. and they're using microwaves in a, a captured tune channel around the outside of a triangular craft to, to generate this kind of uh, electro gravitics or electropropulsion system. So but do you have um Keith, do you have that patent? Could you post it on you can you can you can Google it and just look say Navy's UFO patent and you'll you'll find it. And you can go to the patent office and it's got the patent number and everything right there. Well, I'm I'm requesting that seeing as you've already done this, yeah. um could you put it up on uh, under Richard's items or your items later on this show? I uh, yeah, I think I could do that. I can I can put a link. Okay, so so let me just go to and then I'm going to turn turn it back over to Danny and and everybody else. But um, the the other major thing I wanted to mention out of the box is number one in my items, <laughs> and this is a book called UFOs, Myths, Conspiracies, and Realities that I also highly recommend. Um, it's kind of the it's kind of the antithesis of the UFOs and nukes. The UFOs and nukes, nukes book is the more important one by far. But the UFOs, Myths, Conspiracies, and Realities is by John Alexander, Dr. John Alexander, who is basically, quote, the father, if you will, of so-called non-lethal weapons uh, research and development in the Pentagon. And interestingly, this is someone that I know personally, because when I was in the White House, I had just received the world's first and the United States' first ever fully WASC-accredited graduate degree in consciousness studies and experimental parapsychology. Uh, that was from John F. Kennedy University, which was, it feels like a, you know, completely different uh, incarnation within the single lifetime of mine, um, because I was, short, as I was literally finishing my coursework at John F. Kennedy University in Arenda, California, in the East Bay, East, uh, San Francisco Bay, I was picked up and dropped in the West Wing of the White House, and, you know, and my life has changed ever since. But I, I do have that first ever, worldwide first ever degree. And so I ended up in the West Wing of the White House, right over the Oval Office, with this first ever accredited graduate degree in consciousness studies and experimental parapsychology. And so I was brought to the attention of John Alexander. Who sought me out, took me out to lunch or dinner, I can't remember what it was, um, and also um, invited me to a number of parties uh, at night and that kind of thing. Anyways, somebody I know. And basically his book 
is saying what Danny said and what I agreed with Danny earlier on in this show, and that is that effectively nobody that you can name is cleared to know about this stuff. Not really. Not even the President of the United States. Um, And uh, so that's the gist of his book, but I want to read you this one section that jumped out at me like a waving red flag. And I'm just going to read these two paragraphs. Because I want to remind you that a number of people who I think are very wise um, in this field are saying, as um, in fact a week ago on Richard's show here, um, his first guest on the show, and they were talking about what they expected to happen at the hearings two day, you know, three days later. Um, so this was last Saturday. Um, his first guest, whose name I, I'm sorry, I've... I don't remember, but his first guest was a, uh, a, do- a professor, and um, his first guest focused on the relationship between what consciousness really is and the so-called UFO, UAP, uh, bright orb, O-R-B, uh, ball lightning uh, experiences that people have. Okay, so given that, I'm going to read you, I'm going to remind you also of Whitley Stryber's latest book. Whitley, I can't remember the, um, I'm going to get it off of Amazon and send it wait, to Wait, wait, I'm confused. You're, you're introducing and uh, talking up one book that you've got a picture of, but you're going to read something from Whitley's book, which isn't here. No, no, no. No, I'm going to read something in a moment from my number one book. I'm just reminding well, well. you as context before I read the, par- the two paragraphs that Whitley Stryber's latest book is on the connection between death near-death experiences and UFO experiences, okay? So now I'm going to read you from John Alexander's book, and this is mind-blowing. Okay, it's on pages 35 and 36. This is John Alexander. Only once in all of the dozens of briefings that I gave, John Alexander gave, did I ever get a negative response In all other situations, general interest was shown, and what he's referring to is, the book is is about all of the briefings that he gave as to what he knew about UAP, UFO experiences, you know, bright orb experiences, etc., to the highest levels in the intelligence community in the military, in the United States and overseas. So he says, only once did I get a negative response. In all other situations, general interest by these extremely high-level people with very high-level clearances was shown, along with some reasonable skepticism by some was stated. However, over time, there was more and more evidence that no formal UFA program currently existed. Now, that's his bottom line, and I know, or I believe very strongly, that that is a lie. Nevertheless, this is the bottom line of John Alexander's book, that there's no formal UFO program program in our military and intelligence community, that it's someplace else, okay? On this one occasion continuing, things turned really ugly. After I briefed General Max Thurman, who at the time was the vice chief of staff of the Army, the number two four-star position in the United States Army, he asked me to address the board on Army Science and Technology, known as BAST, B-A-S-T, study group, that was examining the Army's use of space. Heading the committee was a man by the name of Dr. Walt LaBerge, an eminent scientist who had previously served as Principal Undersecretary of Defense for Research and Engineering, also as Undersecretary of the Army, also as Assistant Secretary of the Air Force, and was then at the time Vice President at Lockheed Martin. Among his many accomplishments, this is pretty amazing, LaBerge was the co-inventor of the Sidewinder Air-2 air missile and had led the team that built NASA Mission Control Center. His distinguished career had brought him in close contact with many advanced developments in the U.S. space program and the UFO-UAP area of investigation. Attending this vast meeting were 10 scientists along with Dr. LaBerge. I'm almost done here. For about an hour, I, meaning John Alexander, ran through my usual briefing. 
informing them that the universe was probably not built the way they thought it was, and that UFOs, UAPs, deserve serious attention and consideration. As I concluded, LaBerge asked the other members, scientists in the group, if they had any questions or comments for me. There were a few pretty good questions from the attendees who seemed very interested in what I had been saying. And then the most amazing thing I have ever witnessed in any scientific meeting I have ever attended took place. Suddenly livid, LaBerge slammed his hand down on the table and began screaming at me. His first comment was, quote, and this is the punchline, you're not supposed to know about that. That's what you learn when you die, unquote. Okay. So well, I see why you connected it with Whitley. Yes, that's why yeah. I mentioned Whitley. Um, I think that there is a connection, and I do recommend people reading Whitley Schreiber's most recent book, and I will um, get that on Amazon and send it to you, Keith, to add to my items. Okay. So those okay. are the main things I wanted to mention so far. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I put in the uh, Skype chat a, a link that I'm going to pu- I'm putting up under Richard's stuff right now, and mm-hmm. it, it's the Forbes um, uh, website. And it's it talks about the patent and the other patent. There's a second patent for the fusion energy source that they plan to use to, to power this this craft. So um, okay. great, thank you for doing that. Yeah. Um, I think isn't it the case that people need to refresh the show page for tonight in order to see that, right? Yeah. Well, I'll I'll set it to automatically refresh their page, the the uh, their oh, browsers okay. when I uh, post it, but. Uh, okay. I, I thought most people would have known by now that that patent was filed because uh, when they released those videos and then shortly thereafter, uh, what's his name, Salvador Payas, I think it's right. He's he's the one that filed the patent. And they said that the patent office was going to reject it until one of his naval superiors stepped in and said, file, uh, grant the patent. We have a working prototype. Uh, and that's what kicked this whole thing off. Uh, and I think the Navy is coming forward and they want this technology, but they can't bring it out unless they ex- explain where it came from or how they came up with it. Um, Colonel Philip Corso, when he when he wrote the day, the book, uh, the day after Roswell, the book, the day after Roswell, it. He explains that it was his job at the Pentagon to disseminate the technology from the crash at Roswell into our society. And I always wondered how we jumped over the vacuum tube era, because we should have been in the vacuum tube era for quite a while longer before we jumped into solid state. And when um, when Bell Labs filed their patent for the transistor, first solid state device, uh, the patent office was going to reject it because they said this thing won't work without a heated cathode. That's vacuum tube technology, the heated cathode. Mm-hmm. They couldn't understand the technology behind it. And in, in the case of uh, this electrogravitic pro, uh, propulsion system, it's the same thing. They don't understand something that they didn't know about or were trained on. So um, I think in order for us to move into the next generation of technologies, these guys have to get up off the the know on where they came up with this knowledge from and we've known for the longest time that the whole thing with roswell has been uh they've been lying through the teeth about it um jesse marcel the first man on the scene or military man on the scene when he became older he did uh an interview with stanton friedman and he said you know it was a cover-up and that the tech, this technology and the materials that they picked up was not of this earth. Uh, and everything he described, his son even saw it when he was younger. And as he got older, he told us his story. Um, it's, it's the kind of stuff that goes on that they don't want us to know about. But Well, isn't that what the hearing was about? I mean, we're getting a little off uh, well, track here because the idea was that they, yeah, the the hearing was at least a hearing, yeah. and people have been and people have ended up. The general public uh, has kind of shook their heads and and muttered over this UAP obsession because nobody's going to stop saying UFOs. 
but um, I just wanted to, Richard had something he wanted to insert here because he decided that it was as important as the um, hearing itself, and that's why he has the image on his items of the, um, his number five, the surprise, it's official, the Mars doorway is not a door. Everybody's heard that story in last week. And he's got a very nice picture of it there. Uh, and I actually saw one of the other articles about it that uh, if you look at that, if you look at the picture, just as it's a small size, blow it up if you want. The um, On the left, uh, there's what looks like a hole that's kind of structured. And on the right, there's this nice little doorway. And in between them is what looks like a building. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not... Uh, it's not Bauhaus, but it's, you know, it, it looks structured. And the thing is, half the pictures I have seen referencing the doorway story have shown the thing on, to the left, which is a crack in the rocks, probably. Not the defined doorway on the right side. So they're running a little scared on that. And it's, uh, it's interesting that the, um, that the story's out there at all, I think. Uh, about about could, that, and we, this could is. Can we go back to the hearings? I'd like to hear from Danny about what he knows about Sean Kirkpatrick. Excellent idea. Sure. Yeah. Well, well Sean, Sean, uh, Sean is an interesting guy. Uh, Sean is a physicist uh, who's been put in charge of the program. He's worked for uh, almost every division of the military. Uh, including the U.S. Space Command. He's, he's a graduate of the University of Georgia, uh, where he did his undergraduate and postgraduate work and did his uh, his uh, additional postgraduate work at the University of Illinois. Uh, interestingly, he has studied uh, a huge range of things in his, in his postgraduate uh, studies. Uh, and while he's been working for the National Reconnaissance Office and, and others, in, including... The extremely interesting, the, the study of the tissue of the brain of adders, a particular kind of snake that can perceive uh, heat signatures, uh, can see in the night uh, with infrared uh, detection. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I found that to be a really interesting uh, element of his PhD work. Uh, and here he is now, the, the head of the, uh, the, the new task force uh, in the Office of Naval Intelligence uh, that's been demanded by the Congress. Uh, that's it, very it, interesting, Danny. That's really interesting. Because, uh, because in the hearings, we were told that um, the triangular, apparent triangular shape uh, in, uh, was because of the processing through uh, the night vision goggles. That's right. Well, That's what, this, what they're trying to say is that the singling's reflex camera, the SLR, the lens, the iris makes that shape of a triangle when it irises down. But the mm -hmm. thing is, is that if the night vision was that bright that you had to iris your lens down that small to make that little small triangular opening to reduce the circles of confusion to make it sharper, mm -hmm. and then, then you'd go blind if you were putting those glasses on, uh, night vision goggles on. So I don't think that's what that is. I think that's just an excuse to explain what that is, because the stars should have been virtually triangular shape as well. So ah. it's it's a. Well, were there? But I didn't see any stars in those uh, videos. I did, but they're small. They were smaller. There were some that were a little bigger, but you'd have to have a bright light, and in order for it to make that single triangular shape, but there was more than one triangular shape, and to get two triangular shapes from different angles of lighting through through the iris like that that's uh -huh. not that's not possible but it's it's an excuse that they threw out um i've seen other videos where yeah you've seen the irises um creating okay, so a they, reflection they like that they were trying to kind of uh uh, shrug this off as an artifact, and yeah. you don't think it works. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't buy it. Don't buy it. Well, anything that's round, you can claim as an energy ball or ball lightning or uh, something like that. But something that's triangular <laughs> has geometry, and it's good. It's you have to you have to come up with some. 
I'm gonna have to interrupt you. Uh, we're we're at break time, so um, when we come back, we're gonna pick up where we left off, and hopefully uh, everybody's enjoying the show. So we'll be right back after this break. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out. Over and out. 